0: Yes, people, we are back for Episode 5 of the Trading Leather Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Boxman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dave, from Boxing's First. Dave, how are you, mate? You ready to get stuck in on some good talking points? Ready to go. Brilliant
1: weekend just gone. Still recovering from the uh, waking up at God knows what hour to catch the main event, but so glad I did. Absolutely fantastic weekend of fighting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm still recovering from uh, the amount of booze I consumed and uh, the lack of sleep. but. Uh, it was a it was a it was a great night and a good fight to top it off. But anyway, we're going to get straight into it today, Dave. The UK have an undisputed champion after Josh Taylor beat Jose Ramirez, and he joins Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor, Terence Crawford, and Alexander Usyk in the four belt undisputed club. Now, before we get into the fight itself, Dave, let's just talk about how Taylor got there. There was no sidestepping, no marinated fights. This man, he wanted all the smoke. In just his 13th fight, he beat former champ Victor Postel, and then he entered the World Boxing Super Series. And for me, the Super Series was a blessing for him. He won his first and second world titles. And David, beating the likes of Baranchik, Progray, Ramirez, to not only claim all four titles, but to become the Ring Magazine champ, he hasn't taken the easy route, has he? No, 18 fights,
1: he's been a professional, 18 fights. There's people who haven't won a single world title after 18 fights. And he's won four in one division. It's absolutely incredible. And sometimes you, you, you don't really digest what you're witnessing, but just take a step back. Who else has won? You've just been through the names that have won in the four belt era who have won all four belts. There's no Mayweather on there. There's no Manny Pacquiao on there. And when you talk of modern greats, They're the first two names that come up of the last sort of 20 years. And I'm not saying that Josh Taylor is better than Mayweather or Manny, but it just shows you the the absolute brilliance of what he has just achieved. And like you say, he didn't manage to pick a weak division uh, and win all four belts. He went through the Boxing Super Series and he fought undefeated fighters that many people didn't fancy him against. Brancic, you could, yeah, okay, I fancied him against Brancic. But progress, he was well believed to be the number one at 140 pounds. And Taylor went in there. It was a close fight. There's no two ways about it because they're both classy, brilliant fighters. But then Taylor doesn't stop. He takes his uh, mandatory against Kong Song. There's nothing he can do about that. Then he doesn't run away from the division. He goes against Ramirez to, to get all the marbles. And it's absolutely incredible story. I know we, keep, we don't want to dwell on the negatives and the TV deal, but the newspapers haven't really done him any favours either. I think if his name was Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua, it would be gargantuan. And it needs to be, because what he's achieved is absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, and I think with this era, we know how difficult it is to get the best to fight the best. And of course, the... The Super Series helped that out, uh, but to get to get those unification fights and, and to get all those belts, along with the Ring Magazine belt as well, it's not easy, and it's no mean feat. So credit to Taylor. As I said, he, he ducked no smoke. He wanted everyone, and he, he managed to get the job done. But on to the fight itself, and I want to get the negatives out the way first. To get, let's get them out of the way early, Dave, but top rank wanted Ramirez to win that fight, and I mentioned it last week, and I'm more convinced now. The scorecards, they were too close for me, Uh, but I'm not going to be too mad at them as the right-man won. but the referee on the night, Kenny Bayliss, he had a shocker, didn't he, David?
1: Absolutely atrocious outing. Now, Kenny Bayliss, I've been watching boxing 20-plus years, and he has been for such a long time Mr. Big Fight. Kenny Bayliss was there, and he was always a brilliant referee, Like you say, you're touching on it there, you seem like everything was against Taylor, which makes a victory all the more sweeter, but it shouldn't be like that. And it's hard to see how Kenny Bayliss has gone from one of the most respected referees to a performance like that on such a big night. There must be more to it, obviously, we can only say what we think with no evidence, but... There's just no excuse for that outing from Kenny Bayliss. Everything he did, he seemed to be protecting Ramirez. The knockdowns, he how, how long did he give him to recover? He was asking him all kinds of questions. He kept pushing Taylor back, wouldn't let him come in. Every time Ramirez complained, which was quite often throughout the fight, Kenny Bayliss acted on it. He never once said to him, shut up, I'm the referee, I'll make the calls, get on with the fight. He just seemed everything was to go Ramirez's way, which was wrong. But like you say, at Taylor, he was more than convincing. He, he could not be denied, really, could he?
0: Yeah, and if anything, like you said, it, it did make Taylor's win all the sweeter. Being away from home, you've got the judges, the ref favouring the opposition. He needed to win clear, like we said, and I mentioned it last week, and I said I feared for the fight. If it was close, they would give it to Ramirez. And like you just said, I think he won clear enough for them not to be able to take it away from him. We saw some absolute brilliance from Taylor, and and for me, he proved that he is an elite-level fighter. Once again, Ramirez proved to be the dog that he is, um, picking himself up from those two knockdowns to finish strong. The man is tough. That cannot be denied. But, Dave, what impressed you on the night? We spoke about Taylor's versatility and how that was a
1: massive factor in this fight, and I I believe he showed that. Now Ben Davison, he does get his critics because he's had ready-made meals for him. He's his whole coaching career. He's he's been in there with Saunders, who was ready-made. Tyson Fury, obviously, he did an amazing job. And and Taylor, who was already a world champion, but you could see the difference between the rounds. Taylor started. I wouldn't say he was too. He was he was sort of back foot, but he he was. He wasn't getting in there. He was letting Ramirez come on to him. And I thought early, Taylor controlled the bout until Ramirez upped the aggression. And then Taylor had a choice to make there. Does he continue trying to bounce on the back foot? But no, Taylor then reverted and matched his aggression. And outmatched his aggression. He was more front foot than Ramirez was. So the, the ability for Taylor to see how the fight is going and to make the necessary changes... From straight shots to inside uppercuts, everything. Ramirez had to keep second-guessing what Taylor was going to do. And when you've got your opponent in that mindset, you're already one step ahead of him at all times. Ramirez, like you say, the absolute warrior. That first knockdown, bit of a flash knockdown. I don't think he was necessarily hurt. But that second knockdown, you he was trying to pick himself up and he stumbled back to the canvas. I thought he was out there. So to get up from that and to see the fight out, Absolute credit to him. Uh, I hope he comes again. He will come again. I don't hope he comes again. He definitely will come again. Him and Progress a brilliant fight. And Taylor, if he sticks around at one forty, we could see that them fights happen again.
0: Yeah, this is a man in Taylor who can box and he can fight. He's a true warrior, and his skill set was on show. His jab was on point, and his feints, his feints were just beautiful. He smothered Ramirez on the inside, and he just, for me, he just didn't let Ramirez get into his rhythm. And like we said, he had to mix it up. Ramirez was coming on strong at a point. He was aggressive in there. But Taylor found his feet, and he, he weren't shying away from anything. Um, as we know, the fight came to life in the sixth round when Taylor got the first knockdown. But Ramirez came back firing at the end of that round. Uh, but for me, that's when Taylor really took over the fight. Um, the second knockdown, again, whatever we say about the role of Bayless in that, Um, he, as you mentioned, he helped Ramirez with the time he gave him to recover. That was a heavy knockdown. He was in real trouble. Um, but Taylor got himself into a position where he could cruise home towards the end. And I know that could be seen as a risky move. We saw in those last few rounds, the foot came off the pedal, but as I said before, he, he did enough that they couldn't take that fight away from him. And I saw a few, uh, I've seen a few people mentioning that the fight was, um, close and, and that, without the knockdowns that Ramirez might have won it. But for me, Taylor won that fight with or without the knockdowns. I think he was the better man in there. Uh, He got the job done. And as I said before, Taylor is elite. He should be on anyone's pound-for-pound list for me. Um, I've seen a lot moving him into their top five, and I can't even argue with that. But Dave, where do you you place Taylor on your pound-for-pound list after cleaning out the division? From a British point of view, he's definitely the best British fighter at the
1: moment. There's no two ways about that. No one's within a country mile of him, is absolutely incredible. On, on the international scene, you, you do well to place him above Canelo, in a way maybe, he's very he's there though, between three and five I'd say, he's, he's one of the most active, so that definitely goes for him and, and straight away he's already mentioned, obviously there's Cattrall who's contracted for the, the shot next because he stepped aside to let this undisputed fight happen. But Taylor's already mentioning big, big names above his weight class as well. That's the mindset of the man. So if he's not in your top five at the minute, I think you're wrong. But give it another year, he will be in your top three. He's absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, and he's like we've mentioned, his resume speaks volumes. Um, There aren't many out there, Dave, with a better resume. Um, You'll find a few, but you'll struggle to find. I, I, I gave someone the challenge of finding me five resumes that are better than Taylor's right now. And I don't think anybody's going to be able to find that five, to be honest. Uh, but as you've just touched upon, it, it should be Carroll next. Um, he's the mandatory for the WBO. He steps aside for this one. That'll be, that'll be a good homecoming fight for Taylor to get back out in front of those Scottish fans as the undisputed champ. But you also mentioned there's some big fights around the corner as well. We've heard the likes of Mikey Garcia, Javonte Davis throwing, uh, throwing their hats in the ring. We've got Teofimo Lopez, who's mentioned, moving up a few times. We've got the rematch with Regis Progre, which will be a great fight, as we know that first fight was close. And, of course, a move to 147 to fight Terence Crawford. That's one that could happen. Uh, Taylor's spoken about his keenness for that fight, and it just sums up uh, the man, doesn't it, that he's willing to take on that sort of challenge. We know he doesn't duck a challenge. But, Dave, after fighting Catterall, who do you want to see Taylor fight? I want to see him
1: go in there and give it to Crawford. And as good as Crawford is, he's a fighter that's desperate for another big fight. He's sort of being frozen out of that 147 division, which must be massively frustrating. But in Taylor, he's got an opportunity there. It worked both ways, this fight. Taylor's just coming back from undisputed, four-belt, 140-pound champion, something only Crawford has done before. So, Taylor's massive on everybody's list. You see the international fan base now talking about Taylor, which he wasn't. Obviously, the the Super Series pushed him up there, but this was a nail in the coffin. You can't deny him now. He's an international superstar. So, that works for Crawford as well, because Crawford needs a big name. He's running out of names that aren't with the PBC who are willing to fight him. So, I want to see Taylor Crawford. I know people are saying... Let's have a look at how we how we can deal with one four seven Taylor. But for me, Taylor is a big one forty fighter. I think he's more; he'll be more than capable to mix it with Crawford. Will he beat him? Who knows? Because that is a very very good fight.
0: Yeah, that, that's a tough one for me, Dave. But I'm I'm a big fan of Crawford and Taylor, and I I would be. Stuck in the middle if they fought each other. I don't want to see either of those two lose. But I, I realize that from a Crawford point of view, top rank literally have no one to feed to him. And, and for them, it makes so much sense to, to chuck in Taylor with Crawford, as that's a big fight for Crawford, um, as well as Taylor. And he can get that name on a resume. Is is two undisputed champions at 140 going at it. They could make that a big fight. Personally, I don't want to see him go straight in with Crawford at 147. And I have no doubt in my mind that Taylor can be competitive at 147. No doubt whatsoever. But I would like to see him, if he does move up, to take one or two fights first and then get stuck in with those sort of guys. But, yeah, if they fought each other, I I would be in the middle of that one because I'm a fan of both guys. But. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch with Pro Grey, but I'm just not sure that either man, to be honest, is, is going to stick around one, or 140 for that much longer. So I kind of feel like after that fight with Catterall, that might be it. He might say, right, I've had that defense um, of the undisputed title at home in front of my own fans. Now it's time to go and chase the big time, move up to 147. That's, that's the glamour division, although we don't always see the glamour fights that we want. Um, that's going to be a huge night. And and like you said, if he did beat someone like Crawford, he would be absolutely massive. Now, I would favor Crawford in that fight. Don't get me wrong. But like I said, Taylor's going to be competitive at 147 and he's going to grow into that. He is big at 140. But let's see what happens with that. Um, I know that top rank are going to look to accelerate that fight with uh, them struggling for uh, for her opponents with Crawford. So we'll have to see where that goes. But Dave, onto the Saturday night UK card. Um, this is going to have to be all you, Dave, because I didn't catch the fight, so I was out for more than a few drinks in advance of the Taylor fight. So I'm relying on you to have some good info here. But um, Eginton v-, uh, v Molina, Dave, speak to me about how that fight went. Was it a good watch? It's what you'd expect from Eginton and Molina
1: if. Them two went to boxing lessons. I think they missed the Wednesday night defense class because neither men care about defense. They're all about the aggression. They're both front foot fighters, and you know when you've got two fighters with that style, regardless of ability, really, as long as you've got a bit about them, it's going to be a good clash. And it was. It was very entertaining. Both fighters had moments in that fight. It wasn't one sided, but for for either fighter. But Eggington deserved to win. That you know there was no questions asked at the end. The commentators spoke of this fight as being a step-up. But was it really a step-up against Molina? Former world champion, yeah, but he's the old dog now, isn't he? He's not, he's not, he's not really a threat. You wouldn't see him as a step-up. If Eginton at £160, pound, if this is a step-up towards the world title level, you're talking Morata, Charlo, Triple G, Andre. Eginton can't mix with them people. Even at a domestic level at £160, Eubank Jr., Liam Williams, Felix Cash, can he mix with them? I, I think he struggles there. It's a difficult one for him now if he is going to bed in at 160 He's an entertaining fighter, but he's very limited. And at 160 they're hitting that bit harder, that £6 harder. Now, how many wars does Sam Eggington want to be in? But Saturday night, absolutely fantastic. free to wear. You can't complain at a free to wear fight that, that entertains. So, yeah. Ten out of ten for Eggington and Molina, they both had a
0: really good goal. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, one thing I will say on Eggerton, you've got to respect him. Um we know he loves a scrap, and that has led to him being in some very damaging fights. But he just keeps coming back. And like you've touched upon, he won't be winning world titles. Let's not no let's not get mistaken. Yeah. Let's let's not get carried away. But let me tell you, if he gets to fight for one, then excuse my language, Dave, but Fair fucking play to him, mate, yeah. cause, because that would be something. Just for him to get a title shot, that would be amazing for him. So if he keeps winning these these level of fights, he's going to get himself in the position rankings-wise. And and like I said, good luck to him. He's not going to win world titles. He's not the best domestic fighter we have at 160, but if he gets a world title shot, you can't knock the man. Um, so good luck to him, um, and I wish him well for, for his career going forward. But... Uh, what about the rest of the card? Did anything stand out for you, Dave? I know you wanted to mention Stephen McKenna.
1: Yeah, I've not seen much of Stephen McKenna. Heard of him, seen interviews with him, trains under Freddie Roach, so you can't really avoid knowing about him. And we know what Freddie Roach is all about. He loves aggression. And it shows him McKenna's work rate. He went out there. He's, he's what, seven and seven, seven knockouts. And you can see the Freddie Roach blueprints in him. He was straight in there, not. Absolutely no concern of what was in front of him. And this is a young fighter. This isn't an experienced fighter who who knows his abilities. He just went straight in there. Absolutely no concern of what was coming back and delivered big, big shots. I I like his attitude as well. Not just inside the ring, outside the ring. When he was interviewing him, he'll he'll fight anybody. Apparently, Lor Machenko walked in the gym and he was asking for a sparring partner and McKenna went in there with him. And that's the kind of attitude you want to see from the young men. You don't want people who are looking just to make a fast buck. You want somebody who wants to face the best, and he clearly does. He's progressing brilliantly. And with his style, his attitude, and, and where he wants to be, he's going to be a star. No two ways about it. He's going to be a star.
0: Yeah, I look forward to seeing how he gets on. But on to some boxing news now. And we start with the big announcement that Manny Pacquiao will fight Errol Spence Jr., Dave, we spoke a few weeks back about a possible Pacquiao and Crawford fight, and we were in agreement that Manny should probably look towards a sail-off-in-the-sunset type fight. So this is incredible from him, isn't it? And he deserves nothing but respect for wanting to fight the best, even at the age of 42. Yeah, absolutely. There's
1: nobody on this planet who could have held anything against Manny Pacquiao if he chose to fight a UFC or a YouTube star and sail off and enjoy his money and enjoy the rest of his time. He owes nobody anything. He has given everything to boxing. It's an unbelievable story. If you're talking, his first world title win was 23 years ago. And that doesn't stop him. He wants to get back in there with Errol Spence, who he's definitely, again, in your top five pound-for-pound fighters, or your top ten definitely, Pacquiao's not avoiding anybody, he's going in there like he's 21 again and he wants to prove himself, it's an unbelievable story and hats off to him, what a credit to the sport.
0: Yeah, and I've seen a bunch of people having a go at this fight, but I don't remember seeing those people saying the same things when it looked like Crawford and Pacquiao were going to fight, but listen, I'm a fan of Crawford as you know, but Bob messed that one up and PBC have swooped in, it's a fair play to them. Um, It's crazy for me that at 42 years of age, Pacquiao is still the biggest draw at 147. He's the one they all wanted. He's the one that everybody in that division wanted to fight. So let's not have a go at the man who got the fight. This fight brings a few talking points. Um, A lot of people think Spence is due to blast Manny out. uh, But I think it's going to be competitive. Manny, for me, still has the tools to make this a good fight. And although... I massively favor Spence for the win. I really really wouldn't be surprised, Dave, if this one goes the distance. How competitive do you see it being, Dave? It's going to be very competitive. Pacquiao he's,
1: he's the most experienced fighter out there. And if you see him, even against Thurman, now Thurman, prior to Pacquiao dealing with him, everyone rated Thurman. And then once Pacquiao beat him, people questioned Thurman. But they didn't seem to think that maybe it's because Pacquiao's that damn good. Pacquiao is not, not going to get blown out by anybody. He's been up to £150 and fought Margarito, a hard hitting, bludgeoning puncher in Margarito. Spence is good. He's a good solid fighter. But I can't. Pacquiao's not a walkthrough for anybody. I just cannot see it. For people who are questioning or having a go at Spence for taking this fight, let's have it right. Pacquiao should still be the WBA champion. Pacquiao should still hold that strap. So how can you have a go at Spence? Pacquiao's money, Pacquiao's legacy, and Pacquiao should still be a champion. So hats off to Spence as well, because he didn't have to. He could have gone and fought you guys, picked all three straps up, and then gone back to Crawford and said, I'm going to fight you for pennies. I, I'm the real champion. I've got three straps. But he didn't. He's, Pacquiao, for me, is a harder fight than you guys. No two words about it.
0: Yeah, you sort of touched upon the next talking point, Dave, but that's the WBA title, <sighs> so... Nothing, nothing should surprise us with the WBA anymore. As you mentioned, they demoted Pacquiao to champion in recess. Uh, they promoted Ugas to super champion. I'm, I'm, I'm just not on board with handing out titles. For me, they should be earned in the ring. Um, but they can pretty much make this up as they go along. And with the champion in recess status, Dave, who knows what's going to happen. But do you think the WBA are going to make this a unification fight by reinstating Pacquiao as a super champ?
1: Yeah, yeah, because of the, the financial... Reward for them more than anything. This fight is going to sell. Spence is a big draw. Pacquiao's the biggest draw, bar maybe Canelo, but even that's close. So the WBA aren't going to want to not get their their hands in that golden money pot, are they? I can see it happening. And do you know what? It wouldn't surprise anybody. That's the situation we're in at the minute with the WBA. There's not one person who will be surprised if that happens. They'll all comment on it. How how shocking it is. How it's disrespectful and what the hell are they playing at? But nobody will be surprised because we just expect it from the WBA now.
0: Yeah, and I saw that Um, Spence used the hashtag strap season almost as if to indicate that this is going to have the WBA title on the line. Who knows? But he also he also hashtag blame Bob, which I found quite funny <laughs> as well. So, <laughs> But uh, whatever, whatever people say about this fight, Dave, it is going to be huge. And I expect the pay-per-view numbers to show that um we know that Manny is still a draw and we know that Spencer's profile out there is well on its way to superstar levels. So for me, PBC are the winners here. Um you've got to credit Al Heyman on this one. He swooped in quietly, um, as he does. Uh, the media didn't pick it up. Manny puts out a tweet and all of a sudden the carnage begins and all, all of the all of the sources come out, the ketchup, the mayonnaise, everything. Yeah. Everyone ev- everyone Everyone's knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> everyone knew it was gonna happen all of a sudden. <laughs> But uh, like I said, fair play to PBC, and uh, to be fair, Dave, their schedule or their schedule coming up is looking real good right now. But um, that's all, uh, we're on to another fight involving PBC, um, and that's Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, free, and we know it's happening now. Um, and they're looking at the Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, and they could possibly hold up to forty thousand there. Uh, and Dave, I know we're disappointed about not getting the Fury-Joshua fight, but this third fly is going to be crazy, and to be, it's creeping up on us already.
1: Yeah, it's just around the corner. We were potentially waiting till August for AJ Fury, but obviously this has been in the background all the time. There was nothing to sort of negotiate with this one. It was all set, ready to go. We are just waiting on the arbitration ruling, which we know has favoured in the side of Wilder. And rightfully so, we've been over all that. That's It's old news now. We are where we are. But it's it's just over a month away, less than two months away. And we're going to see what I feel that Fury Wilder was, a one and two, was two of the most exciting heavyweight fights I've seen in a hell of a long time. Now, there's a lot of question marks over Deontay Wilder, and that's what makes his fight even more intriguing. Has he learned from the last outing against Fury? Is he decided to live by the excuses and not decided to do anything about it and try and improve and make changes? There's so many questions this fight, for me, can go either way, because we know Wilder has got the Alabama hammer, but we know what Fury did to him last time. So I can't call this fight. As as crazy as it is, because Fury blasted through him last time, you just can't write Wilder out. So, yeah, we wanted AJ, Fury, but we've got a decent fight, and I think it will be fireworks.
0: Yeah, we sure have. And you've just said you can't call it. And it, it seems to be that all three fights... Before the fights, everyone is sitting on the fence, and they're saying it's always the case. I favour Fury, but we know Wilder's got that that right hand, and it could change the fight in an instant. And and it seems it's going to be the exact same build up in this one. We favour Fury, but Wilder has that punch that could just change it. And I'm I'm going to go again. I'm going to be a little bit um, going along with that here, Dave, because I still favour Fury, but surely it can't be as convincing as it was last time, or could it? But like I said, you just can't count Wilder out because of that right hand. And and the carnage of the build-up is about to hit us. Let me tell you that it is about to go off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if you thought it was fake last time, there is nothing fake about the animosity between these two men now. Fury sees Wilder as the man that's stolen his his chance at the, the biggest payday there is for him, and the Undisputed, which once and for all puts him at undoubtedly the number one heavyweight right now, which he wants to be. He, he's sick and tired of hearing about AJ having more belts than him. He's sick and tired about the AJ fans telling him, you'll never fight AJ, he's better than you, he's the number one, he's a true champion. He really wanted to put that to bed, and Wilder's got in between that. So Fury's going to have a real disdain towards Wilder. And Wilder, he he's believed all these stories about egg weights, <laughs> doping water... <laughs> You know, they're not okay. even worth going into anymore, are they? Because they're just pathetic. But Wilder's bought into that. So he sees Fury in a completely different light now. I think there was a mutual respect there in the first two fights. All right, they had words, they built the fight. But you could see there was definitely a mutual respect there. But that's out the window now There'd be pure hatred between these two men. Which, like you say, has a brand new angle, a brand new sort of level of excitement because the build up's gonna be crazy and what unfolds in that ring, I couldn't I can't second guess it yet. I do not know what is gonna happen fight night.
0: Yeah, it really is, Dave. And it is gonna be interesting to see if Fury brings up some of these allegations in in, in in the build up to it. And it'll be interesting to see if Wilder mentions any of that in, in the build up as well. Because what we see with Wilder at the end, if you watch back the uh, the second fight, sorry. If you watch back the second fight, in the ring straight after the fight, he was very humble, and he was, he was saying about um, the better man won, so on, I'll come back again. But then he went around the corner and started talking about all these allegations that were built up by some of the YouTube channels and so on. So it'll be interesting to see if he mentions any of that, because at the moment we know he's staying quiet. And is he staying quiet because he's just gone away and he said, look, forget all this nonsense. Let me just go and work hard. Let me come back, show what a true champion's made of. And which is what I hoped he would have done in the first place. Um, and then he's going to come back stronger. So fair play to him if he does get back in there and he does go around and uh, reclaim that title. But it is going to be really interesting to see if them conversa- uh, conversations come up in the build-up. And I'm sure they're going to. But the-, the key thing for Wilder is... and. Some idiots out there are blaming Wilder for not seeing Fury and Joshua. But, of course, we know now that he he was well within his rights uh, because of the contract to, to, to go through this route. So it's not Wilder's fault that Fury and Joshua isn't happening, but it will be bloody Wilder's fault if he (laughs) knocks Fury out and that fight completely goes up in smoke. We don't want that. We don't want that. We don't. But it's a possibility. Wilder,
1: AJ is a good fight. I always wanted to see Wilder, AJ. When Fury was on his hiatus, when he was in his depression, and we know the story... AJ Wilder, I wanted to see that fight. It was, it was sort of like the Fuby AJ is now. Will they, won't they? One wants to, the other doesn't, then he doesn't. And I really wanted to see that fight. So worst case, if Fury does get beat, which I really hope he doesn't, there's still another fight there. As long as AJ can take cover, use it. there's so many dimensions now. This time, in six months' time, we could be looking at two completely different heavyweight champions Anything can happen in that division. It is absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah, and like I said, despite the, the big hoo-ha about the undisputed fight falling through, it is still an exciting set of fights that we have. And uh, we, We're we not confirmed with Joshua and Usyk yet, but that one you expect to happen. I know they've got 10 days or so to sort that out. And I've I've seen Hearn today talking about if, if that doesn't happen, um, if financially it's not going to be good enough for the both of them, then they could look to go back out to America and fight Ruiz again for the third fight or Ortiz or someone like that. But I just think, I think Hearn's playing the game a little bit there. I can't see Joshua and Usyk not taking place. And, of course, if it doesn't, um, the, the WBO becomes vacant. And then we will finally see the Usyk-Joyce jo- uh, fight, who's kind of on the back burner right now. So, you've got to feel for Joe Joyce. But let's see what happens with that. But there's some news coming from Frank Warren. And I know this one would excite you. Um but he said they would entertain a Buatzi callum Johnson fight. And this would be some fight if it did happen, and certainly a big step up for Buaxi. And you touched upon this, uh, I think it was in last week's pod, Dave, and you spoke about your excitement for this one.
1: Yeah, too hard-hitting, hard-hitting, men. Callum Johnson parted ways with Eddie Hearn. He'd love to put one of his fighters down, wouldn't he? Just... Just for the sake of payback, really. So Frank Warren sort of put the ball in Eddie Earn's court, hasn't he? He said, look, we're here. We're ready for you. We'll fight you tomorrow. And he sort of put Eddie Earn on the spot a bit. I hope it happens. Something's telling me it won't happen next. I think Bowats still, with his partnership with Hunter, he's still sort of a work in progress. He needs to start moving on a bit. But I don't think it's Callum Johnson ready yet. Callum Johnson's... Recently back from long-term absence outside the ring, looked devastating but looked vulnerable as well. So it is an absolutely hellacious fight, but I think I don't think it's ready quite yet. I think we've got a bit of time to wait yet.
0: Yeah, we'll have to watch uh, watch this space on that one. But we still we still need to see what the plans are for Boazzi. We know he needs to step up, and I'm sure that he is going to step up. But like you said, I'm not sure they take this one next, but it needs to be step up after step up after step up for Brassie now. So again, watch this face on that, but onto our 10 pound to 1000 pound challenge. And unfortunately we fell at bet for, um, it was a very promising start, but we were let down by an unconvincing display from Jose Zapeda, which annoys me immensely. Uh, but we had an Eggington win, Zapeda KO double, uh, which would have taken us to £240, but unfortunately it seemed that, for me, the Baranchik fight took a lot out of Zapeda, and I know he struggled to make weight as well. So he never looked like stopping London in that fight. And, and from round one, Dave, I feared that bet was over. Um, unfortunately... Zapata just looked off for me. Uh, but we go again, Dave, um, back to the drawing board, um, and another £10 goes in. Is there anything catching your eye this weekend? Again, we've not got a massive, massive weekend of fights. We've got a
1: couple of decent fights, but we've not got a lot to choose from. We've got Chantel Cameron's fight. You know, you, the women tend to go the distance, don't they, with the shorter rounds. So th- maybe there's some value there. Uh, Jason Quigley Shane Mosley Jr I know we're going to come on to that in their predictions soon but that could very well go the distance but as it stands right now there's nothing glaringly obvious but we need to start we need to get to that thousand pounds devastated by that Zapeda outing it it looked like it was nailed on (laughs) he lost it on the scales and then it was confirmed in the ring like you say the first round you just knew he, he was flat he had nothing about him he just there was no explosiveness in him it was devastating really but We'll get there, we'll build, you know, we were three bets in, was we? And we was aiming at £250 on the fourth bet. That's not bad going at all, so we'll go again and we'll get there.
0: Yeah, I'm confident we're going to get there, Dave. And just remember, one lucky listener, will win £200 if we do get there. We're going to keep plugging away at this. We've only put £10 in so far, so it's going to be another £10 going in. But we're going to get there, and I'm confident we can go the way this time, and. Uh, as you just said, Dave, uh, Chantel Cameron on points looks a decent bit, Right, we're going to have to wait for the odds to come out um, later on this week. I've looked at Martin Ward maybe getting the stoppage, yeah. um, and I'll, I'm waiting to see what the overs are going to be on the Haney-Lenares fight, but we're going to wait for the forwards to come out. and as always, we're going to update you on our Twitter page and we'll, we'll post a bit on there so you can keep up to date with that. But on to this weekend's boxing and we have some WBC Championship action with Devin Haney against Jorge Linares and Nordina Bali against Nonito Diner. Dave, we're going to start with Haney and Linares. And despite Linares being past his best, this is still a good step up for Haney, isn't it? He's, yeah,
1: Linares is a good step up. For, he, he He's sort of the gatekeeper level now, isn't he? We've seen him there when he, he had them great fights with Crawler. He's been in there with Lomachenko. He's been in there with Luke Campbell. He's been in there with the who's who of the lightweight division. He's definitely no walkover. If is, but he is what he believes he is, he is what he's trying to sell us he is, then he's going to have to prove it against Linares because... It's a massive step up for Haney. This. It's, it's, he's the best fighter by far, but Haney's faced, And he's going to have to do it in style. Regardless of what your attitude is towards Devin Haney and how he got his WBC title, at the end of the day, Devin is a world champion. So let's see you fight like a world champion. Let's see you fight this old, tough, rugged Linares. Let's see you take care of him, because if you are what you say you are, you, you'll be able to do it. But if you're not, you're going to get found out.
0: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to this on that basis. Um, You know, I've got high hopes for Haney. I really do rate him, Uh, but he does need some names on that resume. And I was disappointed that he got the title that way. Um, I would have preferred him to win it in the ring. But now's the time, Dave. Now's the time to prove that you are a champion and not, not just a title holder, because this is the problem in boxing today. There are far too many title holders and not enough champions. Josh Taylor, we've just seen that man is a champion. Devin Haney can be a champion. He has the potential to be a champion. But he's got to beat the right guys now to prove he's a champion. Teofimo Lopez did it. He became a champion when he beat Lomachenko. He was a title holder when he beat Comi. Okay, he became a champion when he beat Lomachenko. So we need to see Haney beating some guys and becoming that champion. Linares will be a start. That's a good step up. And he can continue with that trend by fighting better guys. We've just seen the Diaz and, and, and the Fortuna fight. Has been okayed for for the what what would we call, what would we call it now? There's so many titles out there. Um, <laughs> the interim. It, it's not it's not the recess. Interim it, it's not in The, the silver. <laughs> it, it's, it, the interim, right? So there we go. Uh, they're fighting for the interim WVC title, yeah. which essentially means they will be the mandatory uh, for Haney after that fight. And as we know, Ryan Garcia was one of the mandatories as well, but with him taking time off, uh, that's gone back to the drawing board. So they're going to be coming um, for for him to be a mandatory. And again, that that could be another decent win for Haney if he gets to fight the winner of that. But then we know he just needs to continue taking these step up fights and it needs to be better quality. And I want to see the Fimo Lopez fight, as I've mentioned as well. So let's see. Let's see if, um, He does get to kick on from here and, like I said, prove he's a champion. But Linares, we know he has been a dangerous fighter. um, And although he doesn't carry the same threat, he's still going to pose some problems for Haney. Um, Haney says he's expecting a firefight. I don't think it's going to be that type of fight. I don't think that's Haney's best route to victory. Um, But it will be a good watch, in my opinion. Uh, Linares, of course, he's going to have to use all that experience. He does possess good speed and power, and he can't completely be written off. Uh, written off here, Dave. But at this stage, it would be see, uh, it would be seen as a shock. Let's not get mistaken. Um, Haney probably won't get any credit unless he gets the KO win. Um, I don't think that's right. I think Haney can still look good with a decision win here. Um, but for me, there's no doubt that a stoppage win can make a statement, and that's what that's what he will be looking to do. Won't he, Dave?
1: Yeah, he he's, he doesn't like the sort of attitude towards him on social media. You can see that because of the way he got that title, which is not his fault. He pushed that Lomachenko fight. Lomachenko got made up to franchise for whatever reason, whether he asked for it or whether the WBC just did another WBC trick and made him the franchise. He only wanted that fight. He made no secret of that. So... He gets a bit of an unfair shake, really, based on the fact he got that title over email. So he'll be looking to show these people that are saying these things. I don't care how I got this title. I've got it now, and I'm going to knock this man out, and I'm going to show you why I am the true champion. So, yeah, he'll be going out there looking to make that statement. And I think he's said as much when you see him in interviews. He said he's going out there to make a statement.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he's going to look to do so. Uh, we won't talk much on the undercard. Uh, we are going to have some predictions later on on it, though. But I will mention the fights that are there. So we've got Martin Ward fighting Azinga Fuzile in an eliminator for the IBF title at 130 pounds. Chantel Cameron defends the WC, uh, WBC super lightweight title against Melissa Hernandez. Uh, that's great exposure for Cameron. Um, and Shane Mosley Jr. takes on Jason Quigley. But on to the other headliner, uh, headliner on Saturday night. Naldino Barley defends the WBC Bantamweight title against Nanito Denier. It's another chance to see uh, the great man look to become a world champion again. And I'm glad this one has been uh, rescheduled. Dave, are you looking forward to this one?
1: Yeah, another Filipino warrior. I don't know what they drink over there, but it's all right for boxing careers and longevity. And it's not as if Pacquiao and Donner fight sort of career-friendly styles. They both like a good stir-up. So credit to both men. I've liked the nurse since he stepped back down from 122. He stepped back down to 118, didn't he, at the uh, Super Series. And I've liked him in there. He got beat off in a way in that final, but let's face it, he pushed in away to that, to the, you know, right to the bell. Took some malicious shots, that body shot that put him down. I don't know how on earth he got back up from that. So Donner's not there just trying to make money and he, you know, trying to see his career out for big paydays. He's obviously got, still got the ambition, he's still got the drive. And that might be enough if he if he's puts all that together with a great camp. He's going in against a fantastic opposition. He, you know, he had a great amateur career, Obali, but Doner Obali is going to be a good fight, and I wouldn't write Doner off no way.
0: No, and I think I think a lot of people are willing him on to win. He, he's such a nice man uh, outside of the ring, and we've seen that not just with his uh, dedication to meeting fans and so on. But uh, the way he talks about other fighters, the respect is always there, and he's going to have a strong fan base behind him, willing him on to get that win and uh, to get that win. And I'm going to echo a few points you've just said there. Like Pacquiao, it's crazy to see Daenerys at this age still competing with the best. As you said, we've seen him push Anue all the way, and we know how dangerous Anue is. So um, this is his chance against Ubali and and possibly it could lead to a rematch with Inoue. I'm not sure why any man would want to have a rematch with with Inoue, (laughs) but Daenerys is a tough man, so good luck to him if if he goes down that route, but um uvali he's seen as somewhat of an unknown champion to many um he's not a huge name some people probably don't know who he is the people that don't really watch the lower weights and so on um but this probably makes him a little underrated too dave um he's got a few good wins on his resume you mentioned his amateur career he was i think uh, an olympic bronze medalist he he had a very good amateur career and he's what i'll call a a talented smart fighter and he's Rightly going in his favorite here. He is the champion. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see just how much that grueling battle with Anu has, has taken out of Benair at this stage of his career. He was being written off before the Super Series. Everyone said he was finished. And I know he's going into that um, fight with Ryan Burnett. And, of course, that, that didn't end well for Burnett in terms yeah. of his injury. And that, of course, ended his career. But a lot of people, and, and myself included, were expecting Inoue to just blast him out in two or three rounds and no matter how tough he is, we couldn't see past that happening. But he proved himself again. But has that taken out the rest of what he had left? Or is there still more? Will we see him at that level again? Who knows? But Dave, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say other than I don't think this one is going to disappoint, as you've mentioned. And I, 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 I anticipate it being a very good fight. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to this one.
1: I remember first watching Donna. I used to hear. Vic Darkinian, and I don't hate boxers but there was something about Darkinian I didn't like and when Donair got in with him I, I, was, I, I just wanted him to win and when he did I was over the moon that was 14 years ago 14 years ago he was fighting Darkinian and now he's back in there against another world champion, and like you say it wasn't that long ago, he was in there with Inoue. so absolute credit to boxing both him and his compatriot Manny Pacquiao, brilliant careers whatever happens on Saturday night they're going to go away with a Donner's going to go away with his head held high. And the same for Manny Pacquiao when he faces Spence. Regardless of the result, what a pair of
0: absolute warriors. I've got um, I've got a few Aussie Twitter uh, Twitter followers. You're not going to be very happy with what you just said, there, Dave. Not only have you mentioned the KO that they hate to be brought up, <laughs> and and it obviously is a it is a, a show real KO, so it gets thrown up on Twitter quite a lot with the video and so on. But you've said you didn't like him as well, so they're going to be on to you, Dave. It, 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 expect it, expect a few more trolls coming your way after that that comment. <laughs> the Aussie fans are going to be on to Dave with this one. <laughs> Good luck. Good that. luck with that, Dave. I
1: want not be sharing my Twitter handle,
0: this it's don't think. <laughs> Nick ne- 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 should be telling them that Cambosis is gonna get knocked out in the first round against CFEMO. Well, well, we'll
1: get onto that closer to the time. I can't give a few <laughs>
0: news in one of <laughs> <laughs> All right. so as always we're gonna finish the show with our predictions and, and last week Dave slightly increased Ooh, his lead. Yeah. Uh he moved on to thirty three points whilst I'm on thirty. So we're still close It's still only one fight that could change that with the three points uh, for the correct winner, a method, and one point for the correct winner. Uh, So, Dave, we're going to start with your prediction for Haney and Linares. We mentioned it
1: earlier. Haney's intent on going on there
0: to make a statement,
1: but I think the experience, the wily old Linares, he knows how to survive. He knows how to get through a fight. I'm going Haney points, but it will be a decisive uh, points. Victory. Lenares will of course have his moments, and Lenares does. He's a good experienced fighter, but Haney will be too much, too fresh, too young, points decision.
0: Yeah, you've gone with a smart money, Dave. You've gone with a smart money, but I'm gonna go with a stoppage. I just think Haney is gonna wanna make that statement and all Lenares's defeats have come via stoppage, and I think that's gonna continue here. And I'm back in I'm backing my guy to make the statement. So one of us is gonna get a two point difference on that one, so I'm hoping it's going to be me. But, uh, look, Obali against Donair. Dave, what are you going with? I think this is a dog fight
1: and I'm going to pick Donair the dog because he's been in there with some real wars. He knows how to win a war. The attrition, the battle, he, know, he knows how to get through and get that victory. I can't see past him. I know it's not the popular decision. Obali's a fresher man, but I think Donair's Diner, got one more night in him, and this is it. He's going to win a points decision.
0: Oh, there could be some distance between us, Dave. I'm going for Ubali to get the, to get the points win. Um, I want Danair to win, and I would gladly take the loss of those two points for him to get it. But I just think that the Inoue fight might have taken a lot out of him. I know he's tough, but I see him making it competitive, and it, it's going to be a close fight. But I just think in those last few rounds, them championship rounds, Ubali might be a little fresher. He's 34 himself, but he hasn't had the same... He hasn't had the same longevity in, 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 the, um, in the pros, and he hasn't had those tough fights that has had. And I think he's going to eke it out in those later rounds and get the decision. But I'm backing Danier. I'm hoping he gets the win, but I'm going with barley on points. Um, Martin Ward against Fuzzile, Dave, what are you going with? I know you mentioned a Ward stoppage on the bets before, but Fuzzile,
1: he's only been stopped by Rakimov. He's a hard-hitting fighter. Can Ward stop him? I'm going points, Ward. I don't think he's going to stop him. But Ward points, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're going against each other completely then today, Dave, which is, yeah. which is good because yeah, we, yeah. Are gonna, we, we are going to see some point changes there. But um, like we said earlier, or like I mentioned earlier, I'm going I'm to back Ward to get the stoppage. And I know you mentioned about um, him only being stopped by Rakimov, but I don't know too much about him other than that fight. And, and I know Rakimov does hit hard, but I think... We'll, I think Ward will get the stoppage. This is a huge opportunity for him. And if he gets that win to get that shot at the £130 title, then, then fair play to him. But uh, Chantel Cameron against Hernandez, what's your prediction, Dave? Yeah, Hernandez, tough as they
1: come, but at the back end of her career, isn't she? I think she's limited. Cameron's fresh, she'll be looking to defend that strap. She won't want to lose that in the first outing. Cameron points decision.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the same. So we're leveling up on that one. But I do rate Cameron, um, and I don't think this fight will be much of a problem for Hernandez. She's been very inactive in recent years. I think she's 41 or so now. So with those two minute rounds, I don't, I don't see a stoppage. I think it goes a distance, so I'm going for Cameron to get the win on points. Um, And lastly, Dave, uh, Shane Mosley Jr. against Jason Quigley. How are you seeing that one? I think
1: we've got a good fight
0: here, I really do. Uh,
1: Quigley, both of these men will have ambitions. Quigley, promising fighter when he first came out. Mosley Jr., obviously, want to try and emulate his dad or at least grab one world title. But they're both 30 years old now, so they need to sort of start pushing this on. Quigley's only got that one defeat to Torino Johnson, who, when you look at Johnson's record, he's only lost to Dera Vianchenko and Curtis Stevens, so, you know, he's got a decent record. So that defeat isn't as bad as it might look at first glance. I don't see a stoppage here. and am going Jason Quigley points.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the same, Dave. I'm going Quigley points. Uh, Mosley hasn't been stopped before, but I've not overly been impressed with him in his performances. Quigley, like you mentioned, he's got that loss against Toronto Johnson. And to be honest, he took a bit of a beating in in that one. But I think he gets the job done. I do think this one goes the distance either way. But I, I think Quigley will have enough to get that points decision. But, Dave, that's a wrap. Another episode down. Any last words?
1: Yeah, I'd just like to apologise to all the Australians out there. So I might have upset. I wish
0: Comboso... that, <laughs> way to cover here back there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I really do, rate
1: Comboso, I think he's brilliant work. I think he's going out there to beat Lopez, and maybe you know I can make it up <laughs> to you in future. But that done knockout. That is something special. <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah, i'm I'm gonna say thanks to all the listeners um i hope i hope you uh you enjoy the weekend and enjoy the boxing we've got coming but um i'm I'm asking all my Aussie followers to get on to dave now so come looking for him i'm gonna send a post out about this come looking for him
1: thanks a lot i'll see you next time take care